0: If you appreciate this work, consider sharing it with a friend, or supporting it on Patreon. The link is in the show notes, and we are truly grateful for any contribution. Thank you. Hello, welcome, and thank you for taking time out today to seek God. This is a brave choice you've made, and whether you believe or struggle with that belief, seeking God is the greatest thing that you can do. We take the risk here together that God is in fact there and wants us to pursue him, and the journey will be rewarding. In our time together, we'll worship by praying, reading scripture, and reflecting. As always, this is your time to seek God, and I'm only here to help. If you're able, sit comfortably, bow down, lay down. Calming our bodies and minds is not only relaxing, but it also reminds us that we are limited, God is not. A non-physical God is sought in non-physical ways. But what matters most is that this time is set apart, that it's special. So once you're comfortable, let's begin. Close your eyes, take in a deep breath. You're about to speak to the creator of everything. And no, this is not meditation, which is turning inward into yourself. Prayer is intentionally reaching beyond ourselves to the source of everything. We're reaching, in a way, into the void, and what will happen is unknown. But surely by this point, you've learned that this is where all adventures are. Now speak out loud or in your mind. God is not limited to what is spoken. He knows your deepest thoughts. So express your intentions for this time. You can say, God, I want to be close to you. I don't want to sin against you. Help me. Take a moment and express these thoughts to God in your own way. read scripture because we believe that God communicates and that he's revealed himself to people who have written their experiences down for our benefit. We don't have to understand it and we don't have to be Bible scholars. What's important is that we receive it and believe that God communicates. So today we'll read Hebrews chapter 10 verses 26 and 27, which say, For if we deliberately sin after receiving the knowledge of the truth, There no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire about to consume the adversaries. Well, this one is scary, isn't it? And to be clear, this affects us all. There is no one free of intentional sin. We're all guilty, including the great apostle Paul himself. So is this passage teaching that we're all doomed if, when, we intentionally sin after receiving Jesus as our Savior? You could interpret it that way. It's bleak and hopeless, but an interpretation nonetheless. Perhaps a better way to view it is through the lens of the Old Testament sacrificial system, something that we're sadly distanced from in Christianity. In Leviticus, the first offering is the burnt offering. This is an all-purpose, thorough, atoning sacrifice. It's offered when a baby is born. It's a pleasing aroma to God. It's a sacrifice that seems to cover literally anything and everything, and is offered regularly. None of the animal is spared. None is eaten. It is completely consumed by fire. And while there are other sacrifices to be eaten and enjoyed as a family or just given out of gratitude, the sin offering is the other serious big one. The sin offering, which is also a burnt offering, is offered case by case when someone sins unintentionally and becomes aware or sins intentionally and repents. Either way, it requires the individual to take responsibility, repent, and offer the sacrifice there is however the sin of defiance or high handedness spoken of in Numbers chapter 15 verse 30 and it seems to describe an ongoing obstinance and resistance to repentance that no offering could cover Jesus being the ultimate sacrifice fulfills these requirements and also informs the New Testament Jewish understanding of his work. So back to our passage. Jesus serves as the thorough, burnt offering. He's covered it all. And when we go on to sin, which we do, he is also the sin offering, covering each and every misstep. If we sin, quote, intentionally, I take this to mean an attitude of resistance, the opposite of repentance, the sin of high-handedness. Imagine a husband in a room with his wife and he just willy-nilly flips on porn. No shame, no remorse, nothing. What would happen? He has knowledge of the truth. His wife is in the room and yet he's obstinate. In that moment, the intimacy of the marriage hits a brick wall and all that remains is her consuming wrath and judgment. It's either destruction of the relationship that could have been or repentance and sacrifice. Those are the only options. It's no different with God. All provision has been made, but you will not find intimacy with Him While in defiant intentional sin. And you are right for feeling the impending weight of his wrath. The sin offering is, however, available when you repent. And you can play that card a million times and never exhaust God's grace. But it will always require a turning from your resistance and repenting. Destruction or repentance? Those are the only options and the more time goes by, the clearer those destinies become in each of us. God, I know my own heart. There are times I do sin intentionally and I'm hard-hearted. Forgive me, I repent, I want you. Take a moment and express these thoughts to God in your own way.